Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. The relentless mocking has got to stop in this studio, okay? Look at me. I'm giving thanks to all these healthcare workers. That's about it. Look at the size of this thing. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hours here. Cofield, JVT, Jared in for Ari. We're about 30 minutes away from checking in on the Vegas Golden Knights with uh, sideline Stormy, rinkside Stormy. Let's get to it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Tweet on April 5th, John Don Coble. I do feel bad for Mark Few. This is right after the national title game. One of the best programs in the country for 20 years. It's come so close twice now. Who knows if and when Few will have another team like this one. Uh-oh. Yeah, yesterday, Gonzaga landed the number one player in the country on the heels of landing the number six recruit in the country. Now that was from Stuart Mandel, who covers college football, and he did admit later, I think the next day, he's like, I really don't follow college basketball. That's okay. But, yeah, the the, uh, the news is in. Gonzaga, little engine that could, or as I call them, the evil empire, because they are, uh, even if they haven't won a championship yet. Yeah, they landed Chet Holmgren. That's on the heels of landing a, uh, a guard, uh, Salas, who's – I think he's going to be awesome. So, good times. And guess what? Uh, Deadspin says that the late November game, Duke-Gonzaga, this coming season, will be the College Hoops' biggest event of the year. That's going to be here in Vegas. So, pretty cool getting hyped for college basketball already. As a kid out of Minnesota, the kid Chet Holmgren, who could be a number one pick in the future, top ten pick in the NBA. He's all booked, signed, sealed, and delivered. Well, just about to go to Spokane. Oh, and uh, by the way, too, it's not out of the woods yet that Jalen Suggs could not be the number one overall pick in this year's NBA draft. So could you imagine the little engine that could, Gonzaga, having back-to-back number one overall picks in the NBA draft? Number four. Uh, We are going to feature more of Colin Cowherd's top five MVP candidates. Oh, in the NBA, John has been just dying to find out who's number one. We played five through two earlier. He did mention Jimmy Butler as a MVP candidate. He was number three on his list. And one of the reasons he mentioned Jimmy being an MVP is that he's had to deal with immature players on the Heat, like Duncan Robinson and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. What a punk Tyler Hero is. Now what's he doing? So how about this? Um, Miami Heat insiders Ira Winterman, uh, Ethan Skolnick have a podcast, Inside the Paint, and they reported that Tyler Hero, apparently his newfound celebrity, has, I guess, altered his play. Uh, from Winderman, quote, Tyler Hero chose to become a celebrity. He chose to become something outside the game, as is his right, with his breakfast cereal, his Tyler Tuesdays, his Chipotle bowl, which I didn't know he had. And I feel like, is it really easy to get a Chipotle bowl, right? You just go there all the time and have a regular order. But regardless, I guess he's got a Chipotle bowl. But Skolnick added that the Heat have actually been concerned about Hero's celebrity for months now. Apparently, other players see when they see when they see a player doing all of this before they've truly reached it. I don't know if I want to say there's a jealousy. They sort of take a scant view of the guy and say, wait a minute, buddy. You haven't done anything yet. 
So it just sounds like everybody's mad because they're not as famous as Tyler Hero. I don't know what that has to do with the fact that he's, you know, shooting a god-awful percentage on wide-open threes this year. Like, I don't think the fact that he's got a cereal and a Chipotle bowl really alters the fact that he just sucks at shooting the basketball. Which, by the way, the entire Heat team sucks at shooting the basketball this year. Let the kid live. But I will, but I will speak for all boomers, even though I'm not one. But, uh, you know, in uh, close to that age range, I don't know why I just said that. I'm a Gen Xer. But 50-plusers, uh, Tyler Hero's a punk. Worry about basketball, buddy. Uh, but how do we know he's not? Right? Like, how many meetings right. go? Like, like uh, that's what I love. Like, does he spend multiple hours, like, texting with Chipotle people? Like, that? you know, I don't know, man. The black beans, the fajita veggies, I like that. But do you guys have cauliflower rice? I don't know. You know, my cereal, I, I want to make sure I'm going to change the like, – it doesn't affect his everyday life. Let's relax. The team sucks as a whole on offense. It's not Tyler Hero's fault. And by the way, we do this all the time, and this is a bigger topic. The kid is freaking young. Like, how often do we start, like, punting on these guys and being like, here we go, this kid, what's he doing? He's garbage. Like, it's his second year. He's largely the same statistically as he was last year. He just had like a really good playoff series, and you expect him to be like Devin Booker, and that's not going to be the case. Number three. What are Jordan Zion ones? Ooh, there's either uh, Zion Williamson's shoe. They were unveiled by Nike, Steve Cofield. Yes. Not a lot of people were happy with them. Why? Now, I don't know. So, like, I've, I've told, I've said this before on this show where, like, I very much appreciate the shoe game. I am not a sneakerhead myself. So, I don't really know the intricacies of judging whether or not a shoe is very cool looking. I'm also old. So, I feel like if I think it looks cool, it probably doesn't. I'm still trying to, as the kids say, cop a pair of the Kyrie Irving SpongeBob set, which looks very fly. Um, I don't know, do the kids say fly still? Regardless, I think it looks pretty neat. It's got a Z on the side. There's some weird Zion print on the interior. I sent you two uh, different tweets. I think the colored ones look much better than the regular black and white pair. But I guess there's a lot of comps to like New Balance and Nike's gone downhill and these designs aren't cool anymore. So I guess don't take it from what I'm saying. Twitter says they suck. I think they look cool though. Are those like Z's up in the trim, kind of the, the inside of the shoe? Yeah, I, think, I, I feel like it says like Zion on the inside of the shoe. Like, like multiple times over and over again. So that's like the Z that you're looking at on the interior. I mean, look, there's there was also the joke that Steph Curry would like these shoes. I don't know if you remember, but when Steph Curry's first shoe came out, they were very bland and white and made fun of quite a bit because they looked like dad shoes, you know, like Reeboks that you wear on the beach with high socks. A lot of people I, make a point I, of that. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, on these Zion look. shoes, do they... I assume they're in my price range of $39.99 and there is a Velcro version. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to be like 200 bucks. They're going to 200 bucks. Oh yeah, like I'm sure they're going to. These are basketball shoes, bro. These aren't cheap. What are we doing here? Oh, I wanted God. to get a pair. Like I told you, so like the ones, the ones I've always wanted were the Kyrie SpongeBob's. They were ones for kids. Like so, when I first had my child, I was like, dude, let me look into this. this is dope. They're like 90 bucks for like toddler shoes. I just Worth broke it. the bank. I just broke the bank the other day because I buy a pair of sneakers maybe once a year, and I, I think with tax it was like 43 dollars and 84 cents. Brutal. Where do you brutal. go? Like big five? Let's go. Spend a little where change. Where do, where do you think I went? Where where would I get? Where does an old guy go and get sneakers? Burlington Coat Factory. That's a good choice. But actually, in this <laughs> case, and I, you know what? Kudos to Coles. Oh, okay. Coles had some old old man Nikes. I was like, oh, I'll grab those. Same were as they, the, same as the Zion's. 
were they were they tied together with a really long rubber band? Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I couldn't really try them on. I got home. I'm like, oh crap, I forgot. I'm not an eleven. I'm actually a nine and a half, or maybe I got it vice versa. So they're ill-fitting, and uh, I'm very worried about them getting dirty too quickly. So what? Who cares? I want to keep. I want to keep the bottom white. I got. I got work. I got some old Asics. I was doing some yard work yesterday, trimming the palms. Got to keep these white. These are my like my show sneakers when I'm out and about. No, that's ridiculous. You bought them. Where'd you buy them again? <laughs> Come on, you got to listen the first time around. How many? No, I, I, just I just don't remember. I just don't remember. It was Coles. Yeah, I mean, come on. You can buy another pair of Coles. I'll be back in there tomorrow. I'm gonna get Velcro next. So whatever, whatever uh, high end sneaker the uh, the Chinese have replicated with Velcro, I'm in. Velcro is very underrated. Very it is underrated. very underrated. Yeah, when you get when you get the uh, the big front porch, it's not that easy to bend over and untie those sneakers. That's right. My kid's a Velcro kid. Number two. Well, that should say a lot. He's shy of two, and I'm over fifty, so we're wearing the same sneakers. What a clown I am! Oh, look at this! Look at this! We, uh, you and I, have had uh, just really intense brawls. We get very mad at each other on social media over Draymond Green. You love Dr. Dre, master of kinesiology. He drives me freaking nuts giving advice to everybody. He's a know-it-all. Uh, Mr. Triple Single. I almost said triple double. Mr. Triple Single. Um, do I have a partner in crime now in ripping on Dr. Trey? Is uh, Doe Burke on my side? Yeah, DB might be. Uh, as we look at some oh. of her commentary, taking subtle shots. I don't respect Doris Burke anymore. You know, come out and say it. Don't take subtle shots. Let's just let's just come out and say what we're all what we all are clearly seeing here though is Steph Curry was absolutely fantastic the other day. Uh, had another forty point game. Scored twenty points in the fourth quarter yesterday against Philadelphia. And Doris Burke exclaimed that Curry was having a great game. Quote without another All Star in the same zip code. Woo! How about that? What a burn by Doe Burke. That's right. She hates Draymond Green. I can I can infer that. She thinks he's awful. Or she How about the write-up of this? She ended up throwing some perhaps inadvertent shade at Green. Inadvertent? I don't think it was inadvertent. It was pretty clear. It's <laughs> pretty clear what she's saying. She's right. hammering on Draymond Green. Right. Like, and I think, I don't know if it's specifically hammering on Draymond Green. Uh, his offensive game is clearly not the same as it was at the beginning of his career. And it, you know, at the beginning of his career, it wasn't even that high. But he was still a much better scorer at the beginning of his career than he is now. So he has zero help on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's what she's referring to. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, I defensively, love, yeah, another conversation. Man, he's solid. Um, I would love Doris Burke to get, get attacked a little bit over this and fire back with that whole female WNBA pay thing last week that Draymond put his, his both of his feet in his mouth. Which, in the end, I think he was actually on the side of the ladies, but the way he sure. came across, you know, especially... Uh, you know, some of the leading voices in female sports are like, Draymond, shut up, please. You're not helping the cause. I don't think, well, you know what the most annoying part, well, I shouldn't say it. The second most annoying part about Draymond Green's rant on Twitter about the women empowerment and what they were doing incorrectly, but by the way, uh, totally lost on him the whole mansplaining thing. Let me tell you, women, yeah. how you should be yeah. doing this, uh, was the fact that he didn't put his tweets in a thread. He just kept firing off single tweets. And so you had to like scroll through his entire timeline one by one. You couldn't just click on him and read the entire thing. Learn how social media works, bro. I didn't know that was a thing. Damn. Twitter threads? Yes, you do. Number one. How about Steph Curry? 
All those great passes from Draymond Green. Draymond Green averaging 18 assists a game over the last 10. No. Uh, last night, 49. The three-point shooting is ridiculous. He's averaging, what, nine threes made a game over his last six games. He's got 54 threes. He's the, was it the first player in NBA history, age 33 or older, to score 30 or more in 11 straight games? Yep. I bet you Jordan did it. Look this up. That can't no, be right. He, no, he didn't. No, he surpassed Kobe. Kobe did it uh, for 10 straight games, so he beat the record. Surpassed Kobe. Uh, I don't know where Jordan MVP, was on that. MVP. 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 He's, he's not going to sniff. He's not going to sniff the trophy. What do you mean? He's not going to come close to it. I look. I think he should. I mean, and again, you know, we could talk about voting and everything like that. He's the most valuable player to his team. If you just look at it from a purely statistical standpoint, he's insanely valuable. He's behind Jokic in one of the more key categories. If you like advanced metrics, VORP value over replacement player. That's a real stat. It's a real stat. It's ridiculous. Now, you but guys, you guys, and your acronyms are driving drive me up the freaking wall. I can say just value over replacement player if you want. It's not uh, as sexy as war. Actually, I like Vorp, and I was also the guy earlier who wanted to uh, shorten uh, Jeremiah Awusu. Uh, I forgot his last part. He's just jock. He's J-O-K. just yeah. J okay. Yeah. So J-O-K. give me more on give me more on the Vorp. Well, it's, you know, it's just like war, right? Like value over replacement player. You know how much have value do you add over the average replacement player? You know, Nikola Jokic is first, and he leads Curry by a mile. Like my thing is. It, and it's a weird way. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know how I want it to manifest, Steve. But, like, Steph Curry should be getting more credit for what he does. He should be a more legitimate MVP candidate. He should get more than just one first-place vote, right? Like, there should be people who really wrestle with the fact that, let's look at Jokic, let's look at Curry. If you look at it, like, again, I brought these up before. Like, net rating, just purely, you know, how a team does with the player on and off the court. If the, if the Warriors don't have Steph Curry on the court, they have a negative 11 net rating. That would put them last in the NBA. Like, they'd be an awful team without Steph Curry if they play without him throughout an entire season. In today's NBA, not scoring a point per possession is unheard of, and yet the Warriors do that without Steph Curry on the floor. He's really valuable to what they do. And overall team success in terms of competing for, like, a top overall seed, like, it sh- I guess it should account for a certain amount. But at the same time, if you go from potential playoff team to competing for the first overall pick, without one specific player? Isn't that value? Of course. Of course. Steph Curry is in my top five. But if you missed the early part of the show, I named my MVP. Well, I said it was Harden, but right there with him is... Go ahead and fire this. And this is the definition of MVP. Come on. The Suns are 41-16. and 16. Clearly the guy who has now pushed them to another level. Hall of Famer. Just passed Magic Johnson on the all-time assist yep. list. Chris Paul is simply a winner. His teams are better when Chris Paul is around. The Thunder were trying to tank last year, and they're like, Chris Paul, we're making us win. Uh, Look at the difference in the Suns. They're 41-16. and All right, numbers guy. Is there a net? Is there a VORP? Is there some other freaking NBA stat that ruins my Chris Paul is the MVP because he was added to the mix, and now the Suns are good. Uh, net rating with Devin Booker on the floor, Chris Paul off the floor is actually better than when you put Chris Paul on the floor without Devin Booker. So Devin Booker is statistically more important for the Suns than Chris Paul. All right. My stat will be, what was the record last year? Uh, not very good, but I would also, I would push back. I would push back that they showed the development and actually went undefeated in the bubble, right? I knew you would. I knew you would. 
Small sample. Too small a sample, my friend. It's Chris Paul. It's Chris Paul. Uh, Colin Coward counted down his five best candidates. He had LeBron at five. I forget who he had at four. Uh, three was Jimmy Butler. Two was Jokic. And uh, watch what he does here. Watch what he does here. And especially listen at the end. Chris Paul. Do you understand this? 11 straight winning seasons. The Suns have the second best record in the NBA. Now, do you understand for 11 years in a sport where almost everybody makes the playoffs, they were a tire fire. Phoenix was miles out of the playoffs. Last year, Oklahoma City wanted to tank. Chris Paul got him a four or five seed in the West. Next to LeBron James, nobody in the NBA has the ability to change your basketball team's win-loss standings. Nobody except Chris Paul. So nobody loves Chris Paul. Nobody loves Chris Paul. Colin, I just said that he's the MVP. Actually, he's my second choice for the MVP. So stop with the nobody loves Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul. Let me ask you something. Yes. How do you know the Suns don't make this leap without Chris Paul? Come on. Bro. They, they might not be the number one they're, seed in the Western Conference. They're, Western five they're five how, how, how do you know that? Look at the jump. Come on. I'm just saying, like, like again, like I just looked at the number. Like the net rating is like a full point better with Devin Booker on the floor and Chris Paul off. Look, Chris Paul's awesome, and I, I also do think, like, I am being somewhat facetious because there is something like not statistically based where a psychopath like Chris Paul comes into your locker room and yep. does not allow you to take like a second off, right? Like calls you at two a.m. and is like, "Are you sleeping? You need to be getting rest." Like those kind of crazy things that Chris Paul does. It's totally valuable. But I think it's hard to make the case when, like, if you look at a lot of the numbers, what this team is doing, and Devin Booker has been statistically more valuable than he has for this team. Uh, you know, you know, the funny thing about Chris Paul, you know the insurance commercials he does where he's like... Well, Cliff is uh, back. Well, Jake Jake is around, right? And he'll be like, what's going... Like, Chris Paul's like, what's going to happen? Something's going to happen. Like, that's you, Chris Paul. When you're around the basketball, the rest of the team, they're all like, all right, all right. Like, can we take a break? Easy. But they're like, I love the way you said that. There is no way to measure someone who is super intense and forces a team to grow up and be accountable. And it's yeah. it's happened. And listen, I understand the case. Devin Booker is awesome. So it's almost one of those teams where you would split the vote. Um, but Chris Paul, over the course of his career, and God, I wish he could get a title. If it means you know really ring chasing and joining a great team, I hope he does it because he is such a tremendous player. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. He's a lot of fun. He he is a really good point guard who commands offenses to a level that I think we ever really see. It's almost college coach-esque, right? Like college basketball is so overly coached on a play-to-play basis, but that's Chris Paul in the NBA. Like he has a hand in every single thing that happens on the court when he's out there. But I also think it's kind of like the perfect marriage, right? Like, you know, I mentioned the bubble. The Suns were clearly showing signs that they were ready to take steps forward. And then you add like the perfect guy to kind of push that, you know, to push that forward in Chris Paul. So like all of it kind of came together in the perfect storm. So like, if you want Chris Paul to win MVP, like I can understand the argument, but I just don't think he's going to win it. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. About five minutes away from uh, Stormy Bonatoni checking in on the Vegas Golden Knights. Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. John, I saw in the uh, Steph Curry 
chatter about him potentially being MVP that you're very truculent, you're very argumentative on social media. Did Me? someone – well, I just – I noticed that you pointed out someone saying that uh, Steph Curry is really not a winner because he can't win without another superstar. Oh, yeah, well, I just don't really – I've never really understood that argument overall, right? Like, like I said in the tweet, who's the last NBA player – who hasn't won with a fellow superstar, right? Was it Dirk? Like, but Dirk had Terry and he had Kidd, and that was like a really deep and good team. You know, like if you go back throughout the years, the Pistons, it's probably about it. Every single superstar has had another superstar. So I've never just really understood that slide or that argument. Also, look at the team he's working with. Like, of course, he's not going to win a title with this team. Right. Uh, what's the deal with, uh, I saw you reacting to Golden State against Memphis to close out the regular season. You were saying it was Ooh. a duty. Well, that's actually really fascinating, right? Because Golden State is now just a game back from Memphis. Remember, now 10 seeds, right? The 10th seed actually matters because that gets you into the play-in. 7 versus 8, 9 versus 10. Loser of 7-8 plays the winner of 9-10 for the final play-in spot. Uh, so, obviously, that last game, right, against Memphis for two teams that are sitting 8-9 right now, or excuse me, 9-10, whatever the order is. I think it's 8-9, actually. But that's a really important game, right? Because if Golden State surpasses Memphis, the path to the postseason is one win as opposed to two. So that could be like a really big matchup, like a play-in before the play-in, before the regular season ends. Memphis has become a pretty fun team, no? Oh, yeah, they've been been a lot of fun. I think they're working right now on like six consecutive covers. Like they have – John Morant has really turned things around, but the whole entire team has been really good. And like there's – like there's flaws in the roster. There's flaws with the team, but they've been dealing with health issues all year long. They haven't been whole. Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't even played yet. Justice Winslow has been in and out of the lineup. Right, Anthony Melton. All sorts of guys have been really banged up for them, so they have yet to be complete. But they're a hell of a team. They're freaking awesome to watch. Let's find out what's going on with the Golden Knights. Another win last night. This time a shootout. What? That means Robin Leonard actually came through in the shutout. He's been unbelievable since he's come back. Stormy is going to tell us all about it. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Time to check in on what's going on with the Vegas Golden Knights. Of course, the uh, home of the Knights over on our sister station every day at 4 o'clock. You can hear the guys, uh, Darren and RTHG, and we've got a great midday show as well. Stormy is part of that. Stormy Bonatoni is up with us. What's up, Stormy? Hey, nothing. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, not as good as the uh, Vegas Golden Knights who are rolling right now and not as good as uh, Patrick Marlowe, who was honored last night. Uh, set up the scene for us and the, you know, the importance of the moment. What you thought? Yeah, yesterday was, I mean, just an incredible day. And the scene was, you know, when we talk about the Golden Knights and Sharks, this series as a whole, the words I feel like we're always using are rivalry and hatred and, you know, passion in a, in a more negative connotation. And the way that everything played out yesterday was the complete opposite, like from the Golden Knights players and, and coaching staff and even the fan base. It was all respect and admiration for the accomplishment that Patrick Marlowe had, which, of course, is passing Gordie Howe is playing the most games in NHL history, 1,768 career games, more than 23 years that he's been playing. I mean, he I said it on the broadcast yesterday, which uh, kind of – made our our play-by-play broadcaster not so happy about it, but that Patrick Marlowe has been in the league since I was five years old, since a number of NHL players, I want to say the number is 166, that are currently playing in the league weren't even born when this guy started his career. So it's just 
truly an incredible accomplishment, one that I know so many people never thought would be able to break that record at all. And I mean, now who knows if that's a record that'll ever be broken again in the future. It's one that stood for the last 59 years with Gordy Howe. Um, so just really, really cool to see in the first period when they, they did a tribute at the first TV, um, at the first stoppage and, you know, everybody stood up and gave him a standing ovation and then post game, the, the handshake line, every Golden Knights player going up to him and saying congratulations and well done. And his family being in attendance for the first game all season long that they've been able to see because Santa Clara County hasn't allowed fans this whole time. And, I mean, you know, they started the season not even playing in their own building. So um, just a really, really incredible, powerful moment. And um, you could tell that he was extremely humbled by it. And um, his wife, Christina, even posted a thank you to the Golden Knights, which, like, when in your life would you think that the Sharks would be thanking the Golden Knights? It was just really, really cool. You know, I see people say the Vegas market is unique. Do you have faith that every other market around the NHL would, you know, put aside rivalries and be cool in this situation? Or would there still are there still some markets out there where you're like, eh, they might act like jackasses? You know, I would certainly I hope so. And because yeah. the situation hasn't, you know, arise for anyone else, it was just the Golden Knights that had this opportunity and had this game ultimately put on their calendar. I mean, this is a rescheduled game. So the way that things came together just really, really was so cool. And the, the best way I feel like I can put this milestone in context for a lot of Golden Knights fans who maybe were just new to hockey when the Golden Knights came to town was that as a franchise, they have only played 280 games as a club, as a franchise, and he's played 1,768. The Golden Knights as a club won't reach that number until the 2039-40 season. It's it's a really, really just incredible milestone for somebody to have that kind of longevity. Hell, we think of uh, Flurry as a grizzled veteran, and I think he's at like 877 <laughs> games. Hey, you know, he's splitting time, and he split some time in Pittsburgh, but still, Mark Andre Flurry's been around forever. It's pretty amazing yep. stuff. Let's let's stick on the the uh, the goalie theme. We're talking to Stormy Bonatoni, uh, sideline reporter, rinkside reporter with the Vegas Golden Knights. That was big, wasn't it, that Leonard came through in a shootout? Uh, the numbers are kind of distressing over the years. He just hasn't been that great in shootout situations. Huge. Uh, huge for his confidence, huge for the team in that moment. And, like, I mean, the last question that he was asked in the press conference last night was, you know, what do you think about shootouts versus, you know, overtime? Like, this, his situation, he's like, you think I like shootouts? And busted up laughing even as he was walking out the door after the zoom ended he was just cracking up like no no i do not like shootouts that is not the, my favorite part of my game and the numbers really express that so uh for him to come up the way he did and make those three stops and secure the win for the golden knights to have the longest win streak that they've had all season long re-secure first place in the honda west in the league the most points um i, I think it was Really, really big and happy for him to have that and happy that both goaltenders are clicking as well as they are at the right time. I mean, this team is peaking with 11 games left in the regular season. Stormy, have you guys talked to him about like what it is about shootouts that are just make him uncomfortable, why he doesn't work kind of in those situations? Is it, you know, the lack of lateral mobility? Like, what do you think the issue is behind him struggling in those situations? You know, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, like, it. I haven't personally asked him this question, but I know with a lot of goaltenders, it's it's almost the overthinking of the situation when it comes to shootouts because when you're in a game, it's so read and react, and there's so many things going on with so many players on the ice and 
just trying to follow the puck where it goes. When it's a one-on-one situation, it's it's very different. Every goalie has a different approach to it. And so, uh, yeah, we'll have to check back with Robin on that. And tonight, too, by the way. So, nights are off tonight, but big night in terms of playoff positioning because Knights fans tonight are Ducks fans tonight, correct? <laughs> yes, exactly. Everybody everybody wants L.A. to lose tonight. That game starting at 7 o'clock Pacific time um, because if that does ultimately happen – the Golden Knights will automatically clinch a spot in the postseason, um, which is just crazy, like I said, with 11 games still here to go. Um, but even if they don't, if they are able to secure at least one point tomorrow night in the game against the Sharks, it would still do the same. Mark Stone coming through on the power play. You feel like the power play is fixed, and uh, I want you to tell the audience of casuals, because uh, I'm an expert, right, on VGK, about the uh, positioning change with Mark Stone that's helped out a lot. Yeah, the the – I don't, I'm not going to say the power play's fixed, but it certainly has been better this last handful of games. I mean, but the team as a whole has been better this last handful of games as well. And, yeah, Mark Stone has been more of that net front role these days. And um, when I asked him about it actually yesterday in the second intermission, I, I said, you know, you got that tip on the first power play parked up in the net front. And he was like, yeah, and I don't really like to think of my role as just being parked in that spot. There's a lot of things still that I – have to do they have to go right and make the simple play and when the play is available be in the position to either make the screen as much as possible to get in the goalie's eyes or to make the right pass and so he's got a lot going on in that position but he's been able to find success there for sure two power play goals he's doing i mean five straight multi-point games now for mark stone and uh, he's only got one career hat trick which is i mean kind of crazy to think given the the productivity that he's had but he was driving in overtime for that third goal. You could feel it. It was it was a lot of fun. He had a lot of chances, didn't ultimately get it. But um, nice to see him kind of get out of a little bit of a rut because he had a handful of maybe uh, five to seven or eight games there where the points just weren't falling. The goals certainly weren't falling. And he's gotten back to kind of just playing hockey, having fun, and the results are coming with that. What's been going on lately with you on the uh, podcast, the uh, game miss conduct? Did you guys, uh, did yeah. you go, was there, was there a, was there a tuck mom appearance? Yes. We talked to Alex tuck number 89's mom, Sharon, uh, last week. And she was tremendous, really kind of gave us some insight into the, the kid Alex tuck was as he came up mm-hmm. in the, in, in his career in the league and kind of, I mean, their neighborhood growing up, uh, was just insane. The amount of people that lived on his street that went on to either be Division One collegiate athletes in a variety of sports or play in the NHL, MLB, uh, the list goes on. Pretty, pretty special kind of the level of competition he had from age six and up in his neighborhood. And the, she gave us some insight into the quote-unquote rink of dreams that his dad Carl constructed in the backyard when he was a kid and his brother and him, the BCBU rivalry uh, with them. They didn't play obviously in college at the same time. His brother's still in school now, but um, that they went to opposing schools, just a lot of fun insight into his life. Highly recommend checking that out. And this coming week we'll have Megan Cheka of Statsleep, who's really a, a leader in the field of kind of stats in sport and in hockey uh, on next week. So tune in for that as well. And then make sure with tomorrow's game, it's charity night. And that's a, it's a I play a big role in that broadcast. But for fans that are tuning in, at, if you go to knights.givesmart.com tomorrow starting at noon, 
Uh, there will be auctioning off a number of charity bags for the Charity Night broadcast, and all of the proceeds go to the VGK Foundation and back into the community. This year, particularly highlighting Project 150, which helped, helped out homeless and um, in different challenges for high school students and as well as Ryan Reeves ball hockey rink are kind of the two main areas where additional proceeds will be going to. Beautiful. You were going where I was uh, heading to, but I got to close on this. I got to go back to the mom podcast. Are we all cool if our moms popped on a podcast? Stormy? Um, ooh, my, see, my mom, Sharon was good that she didn't give a lot of the dirt on the show like she saved it when she was talking to us afterwards i was like come on sharon this is gold you got to put that in there but i mean tucky still ended up telling us that she embarrassed him so um but in a good way you know what i mean in a good way but i know if my mom was on one of those shows or oh my gosh my dad love my dad to death but he would go down some rabbit holes like i think i would be in trouble i don't know about you oh it'd be utter destruction (laughs) I would get crushed. Although I will say I get in trouble a lot on uh, our dopey podcast because I talk about my mother's bad mouth and then she uh, she gets mad at me. She's like, I don't speak like that. You know, you shut the blank up. I'm like, there you go, mom. <laughs> That's perfect. I love this. <laughs> These things happen. All right, Stormy. We appreciate it. Have fun tomorrow night. Again, give out give out the uh, the opportunity. Where can people go to uh, to contribute to the charity? Yes, tomorrow beginning at noon Pacific time, nights.givesmart.com. There's a $300 charity night bag as well as a $500 charity night bag. That's the VIP bag that has some signed items in it. A lot of really cool stuff. So definitely make sure that if you are able that you, you kind of contribute to this cause because, like I said, it's going to such good place. Project 150 in particular, um, they have this awesome shop that allows students that can't afford to buy hygiene products, clothes, food, all of these items that they provide to them for free. They also have a scholarship fund. It's a really, really great cause, and that's where a big part of the proceeds will be going. Thank you, Stormy. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, guys. Knights.givesmart.com. Mark it down. Mark it down. Tomorrow is charity day around the Vegas Golden Knights. We go into the grab bag on the way back. Oh, boy. Jared waiting for this one with uh, bated breath. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So today's been a real interesting day. We found out the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. He's guilty on all three charges, facing, we think, major time for the murder of George Floyd. Social media has been a buzz. I don't know what to say about seemingly every organization in sports having to tweet something out. I find it interesting, and I also think it's a... At times, it can be a futile effort, John Von Tobel, because I think people are going to comb through each of the statements and, and then judge if it's correct or they hit on the you know the the right facets of the story. I don't know what the Raiders were trying here. About an hour ago, the Raiders tweeted out, "I can breathe." Four twenty. Dash 21, and uh, I mean, I think this is real, right? This is not fake? No, it's not fake. It's 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 up there, it's pinned, and it's still up there as of like five minutes ago. 
and um, it, it has not been received very well. How can it be? Like, I mean, I guess I guess there were you know there were, obviously there was some train of thought behind the tweet, um, but yeah, it, it's it's not going over well. I don't know who made the decision. I'd like to see them pull it. The damage has been done. Like, I guess it's clearly well-intentioned, right? Like, to a certain extent, you know? Like, but it's the execution. And it's also, it just, it's very hollow when a man lost his life saying that phrase over and over again. Like, George Floyd's not coming back. And to put that kind of out there, I don't know. To me, it's kind of tasteless. And the fact that it hasn't been pulled down and it hasn't been responded to at all, like, kind of shows a lack of awareness of the entire situation. Yeah, I thought I thought Stan Van Gundy did a good job in sending out the message that, uh, you know, in in some ways, I mean, I suppose this was something it's not. I suppose this was something that is supposed to be the norm. If you're caught on video murdering someone, then you should go to jail. But I I don't I don't think it should be a celebratory moment. Um, You know, we should say, hey, you know, good job. You did what you're supposed to. But I, I liked the messages that I saw from different sports teams, the uh, organizations that I thought hit home were, uh, this is the first step. It's incredibly sad that George Floyd had to lose his life for this, uh, but there's a lot of work to be done. And there are a lot of cases like this that go down all around the country and justice needs to be served in all of the cases moving forward. Right. hundred percent. Like this is, I agree with you. Like the it's, and that's the weird thing about like the, the verdict when it comes down is there wasn't really a celebratory kind of thing, right? It was like, okay, like this is what should have happened. We shouldn't have been waiting on like, to use your phrase when we were talking about Jared earlier, it should be waiting on bated breath to see what the verdict is going to be. We should feel very confident watching that video knowing what the verdict is going to be. But the fact that we sit here waiting on pins and needles to see what's going to happen is kind of a sign of where we're at with our system. Stan Van Gundy, the Pelicans coach said, uh, justice was done, but it's hard to celebrate. It's hard to celebrate because it doesn't bring back George Floyd. So uh, I think he nailed it. I think he nailed it. And there's a lot of work to be done. There's a, there's a, This is, you would hope, a beginning and uh, this stuff stops and, you know, we can have uh, more responsible, better policing and law enforcement can improve and, and certainly uh, get rid of the folks who are not qualified to be in law enforcement. John? Can I also add that, and I don't want to make any assumptions, but it would also help, I think, to probably get a good amount of input from minorities on certain tweets like this. Because that's something that is pretty important to get that perspective when you're responding to things like this. Stick your hand in there, Dave. We mentioned briefly earlier that Brad Stevens, according to Woj, was offered seven years, $70 million contract to coach at Indiana. Uh, Brad Stevens says that didn't happen. Woj says it did. I tend to believe Woj on this one. Did you see uh, college basketball player Geo Baker tweeted out, Indiana offering $70 million to coach, and I can't sell a T-shirt. Is that a valid point? Because a lot of people came at him and they're like, well, if you want to sell T-shirts, give up the free education, buddy. I mean, I think it's a valid point in that, like, I think he's just saying there's money in college hoops. Like, we should be able to get some of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like the apples to apples comparison of him being able to sell a shirt and, you know, Brad Stevens getting offered $70 million, but that's the overall point. And also, you know, hopefully that's going to start changing here in the next couple of years. 
also the people who say give them free education like screw off it's not the same thing but. yeah well the, the i think the, the bigger point of all this is that uh yeah nil is coming but if a student athlete has some sort of skill that can allow him to make money in a mm-hmm. job i mean if i'm on scholarship in the math department right and i have a chance to get a part-time job making some money or you know moving towards my future i'd be allowed to do that mm-hmm. why shouldn't a college athlete be allowed to do that you remember back in the day greg anthony had you know, like seriously did want to sell t-shirts and it was, i'm you know was here's the other thing people respond to geo baker and are like oh you know he by the way he he goes to rockers or went there we'll see what he's going to do with his uh, super senior year, but people responded like, I don't think anyone's going to want to buy a Rutgers t-shirt. He's not selling Rutgers t-shirts. Okay. He would not be allowed to do that. There are rights holders. You moron. He's making the point in general that if he has a skill that he would not be able to hold a job, think it through a little bit. My Lord. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I'll stop screaming. You're just mad about the anti Rutgers sentiment. It wasn't a well that that well that part was the more I thought about it I was like well one that's stupid two he's not selling Rutgers t-shirts people <laughs> hold you know they're they're rights holders to that stuff so shut up whatever it is he can't he can't sell a pair of pants all right he can't if he wants to sew pants and sell them he can't uh, Jake Paul's next opponent odds in faraway places are you interested in anyone on this board Joe Fournier who's like a thirty eight year old uh, celeb slash fighter type guy I don't know two to one Tommy Fury who's uh, uh, what's his face is uh, Fury's younger brother, Tyson Fury's younger brother, young guy, 21 years old. He's plus 250. Dylan Dennis is a uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, four to one. Tyron Woodley would be interesting, five to one. BJ Penn said he wants to do it, 12 to one. Conor McGregor, 12 to one. Chris Levin, another former UFC fighter, 12 to one. A lot of UFC guys on here, including Phil Baroni. Including Phil Baroni. That would be that would be entertaining. Phil Baroni, who I think is in his early 40s now at 25 to one. Is it cold if I handicap it that given the state of BJ Penn in the last few years, that there's some pretty good value at 12 to 1 because you might want to get in on this? You're saying that that would be an attractive matchup for Jake Paul? Uh, Well, that, but I also think BJ Penn, as we have seen him kind of fall down a little bit in terms of, you know, the way his life is going, I'm pretty sure he'd want to get in on something like this. Yeah, he would. It'd make for an interesting uh, pre-fight promotion. No yep. doubt. Well, we'll see what he does because uh, he made a lot of money. And Ben Askren, for doing very little, he made a lot of money as well. We're back tonight, 1030. Another Cofield and Company late night pod. Thanks to Jared, JBT. Good job. We'll see you.